Welcome back to the Nullified Take, where we've got the TNT takes for you on the amazing race 33. I am joined today by Raquel from the most dominant female team in season 33, and I believe <laughs> the second most dominant female team ever to play the amazing race statistically. Raquel, how are you doing? I'm good. I, that stat, someone threw that stat out at me when the show, the finale, and I was like, wow. To be the second best all-female team to be on the show is incredible because I look at myself and I don't I don't feel like we're the second best all you know all-female team, but um, I'm really proud of us and you know we put our best foot forward and like my 94-year-old grandpa says, I mean just do the best you can and that's really all you can do. Some things are out of your control and you just have to you know give it your all and that's what we did and it it helped for us. Yeah, well, the the one team that I think did better than you guys actually went on to win the race. So, I mean, if you won the race, you probably would have been on par with them or maybe even would have beaten them on that placement. <laughs> so, I mean, I know it must probably still sting even right now thinking about how close it was on the race. Yeah, you know, it, it's we finished filming in October of last year and after it's really hard, right? And you just, you know, you have several months until the show was actually airing to kind of heal yourself from those wounds. And cause we knew it was so close. You know, I think if we came in third place where it was a total blowout from first to second, it would be a little easier. But the fact that we were so close to winning the whole thing and then having to watch the finale all over again, um, it definitely hurts, but I, you know, I've definitely made peace with it and I'm in a much better place with it now. But, it, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, you know, I'm lucky like the show reached out to me asking me if I wanted to do this. And this was never a dream of mine. And I'm so honored and privileged to be able to be given this opportunity to do this. But to still come in second place and win some amazing trips. I mean, I just I have to count my blessings in my life coaching business is just thriving right now. And so you really just have to look at your glass half full. Yeah, I think you've got a good head on your shoulders, especially being in that life coaching business as well. And you know what's the funny thing is that a lot of the times on these reality TV shows, the second place team or the person that got second, they actually get more from the whole experience than the person who wins all of the money. Not saying Kim and Penn won't spend it wisely. They look like they also have their head, heads on their shoulders. But, you know, I, I'm thinking of Survivor. I believe Clay became, um, of Survivor Nicaragua became like a massive country pop star in America. A lot of um, idols, second place winners ended up becoming bigger than the actual person who won the show so um, sometimes there's something to be said about coming so close and then losing plus you know this potentially opens up the door for you guys in the future if there's a second chance season to go out there and and do the race again now I know in the immediate there's some big life changes happening on your side um, which is really exciting but down the line you know if you get the opportunity to go back let's say five years or six years from now do you think you'd be up for going back out there and trying to to finish the race and get that first place you know Chris I say never say never I would say at this very moment just with all the changes that are happening in my life no um, but you never know I mean there's still this kind of um, I'm, I'm a very competitive person and there's still this burning drive within me to kind of, you know, see what else we can accomplish. And it is such a cool experience. And, you know, Kayla and I, as you guys saw in the race, like we got along so well and we just really like adore and love each other. And so I would do it again with her. Um, but I don't know. I mean, you know, I really have no desire to be on TV again, to be honest, but you never know. We'll see.
Yeah, I, I've got a feeling that call's going to come just because you guys were so impressive this season. And I do think you're a fan favorites as well. A lot of fans were very excited. When I did the interview with Kayla, everybody was asking me, where's Raquel? And I said, I'm working on it. She's got a few things going on in her life at the moment as well, but we'll get her on the podcast. Uh, do you want to talk to any of it? Like you got married, you're, you know, I believe pregnant. Yeah. So it's really exciting news. <laughs> How, how's all of this sitting with so you after the race? so many crazy changes i married my best friend and that has been awesome um you know it doesn't like marriage people always ask does it feel different it doesn't feel that different but it's also different in the sense of like you're kind of stuck together <laughs> you know you have this this bond this you know you're bound um with a certificate but yeah so i got married and um we're having a baby so i'm gonna i'm gonna, gonna announce this week on my social media if it's a boy or a girl people are guessing i always love to hear what people have to say but yeah, so a lot of crazy life changes and I'm really excited and, you know, I'm, I'm super happy. And I'm super blessed and, you know, my life coaching business is doing great. So I feel like I just have an abundance of really awesome things happening in my life right now. That's so awesome. And with doing the race, has this brought more business into the life coaching business? Because I know it's a self, it's a business where you're self-employed, you've got to go and market yourself and put yourself out there. Has doing like the amazing race and doing pretty well on it sort of helped with getting more people to come over and want to sign up for life coaching? Yeah, it's a great question, Chris. Um, I'm really lucky. I, I, I think part of you know, obviously being on the show, I've had a bunch of more followers on social media and I was, I've never been a social media person. Um, but people actually want to follow me now <laughs> and people want to watch like my videos and read my posts. And I'm like, this is so weird. Like I'm just me, you know? Um, but I, you know, I think that, you know, Kayla and I really handled the show really well overall and the stress and anxiety and the craziness and the ups and downs that come with, you know, being on the race. And I think it just really helps with my life coaching business. People were able to kind of see the person I am and how I handled pressures and stresses and things like that. So yeah, I've been really lucky. I mean, I've had a bunch of clients sign on and, um, you know, my business has like doubled, which is awesome. And I, I'm making a difference in people's lives. And that's like the best feeling. And it gives you such a purpose. Like you could be so happy with your significant other in your home life, but if you are unfulfilled at work, there's still a piece of you that's missing. And to be able to like have such a purpose with what I do and, and to see my business grow and, um, you know, support so many people in whatever way they need and, and see their lives change. It's, it's really rewarding. Yeah, I, c I can imagine. Now, you did something completely different prior to going on the race. You were a flight attendant. What sort of inspired, like I know obviously both yourself and Caleb were made redundant during the time of the pandemic, which, you know, obviously is, it probably would have been a big shock. And Kayla spoke to the fact that a big part of your identities were traveling and like always being on the move and that got ripped away from you um very suddenly uh what sort of inspired the move towards life coaching was this something that you were always interested in or was it just the perfect storm with everything that was going on at the time yeah so this was an idea that happened during covid in the beginning of covid i was actually going to go so most of my family they're in the psychology field um, and so I was going to go get my master's in clinical psychology and just having paid off all my student loans, you know, I had $50,000 of undergrad, um, debt and just the idea of thinking about having, you know, 
60,000 plus of graduate debt. I was like, oh, I don't know if I really want to do this. And then, you know, just with all the mental health issues that are currently happening with COVID and continuing to happen right now is our mm. world has changed indefinitely. Um, I just really saw a business of life coaching. And so I started this during COVID and, you know, then with the race, I mean, things have just really picked up for me. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm still flight attendant. I still fly for American Airlines. I have people that recognize me on the airplane or they'll just stare at me really weird and, and then message me on social media after asking me if I'm Raquel. I'm like, just say hi to me. I won't bite. <laughs> um, but I still do that. I just do it really like infrequently. Um, it's just, it's changed a lot. We don't have the same schedules and trips that we used to. And honestly, people are kind of just rude on the plane these days. You really, what you see in the media is honestly true. And there's just kind of a level of respect that's changed, I guess, a lot, which is really unfortunate. Um, mm. So both Kayla and I, I guess I can speak for us both, have um, lost a little bit of the love and the passion for flying. So I feel like it's great to have part-time. I'm just not doing it on a full-time basis. Um, so I'm doing life coaching more full time. And then with the baby on the way, it makes it a lot easier not to have to travel. But I hope one day, you know, things pick back up and, you know, the world and our jobs go back to normal because there's so much that I still have to see in this world. And I love being able to travel with my job. It's awesome. Yeah. Now, now obviously, having been um, in that industry, you were no stranger to traveling around. Um, how did you feel your experience of being a flight attendant and having these sort of experiences of being on the move all the time sort of translated to the race? And did it translate to the race while, while you were out there? I think being a flight attendant is definitely an advantage. I think that you're kind of used to sleeping on a weird schedule and being in different time zones and your body not being on any sort of normal clock that's kind of normalcy for you um, and that's an advantage that you have to other teams um you also you know you're used to traveling in public transportation um in different kind of ways and being in different countries with language barriers and things of that um, nature and you know covid it's a little different because non-covid seasons you're kind of competing back to back um and you would just have less downtime. So I think with the time zone changes, that would have helped us a little bit more. It was a little bit more calm during COVID seasons just because of testing and all those, you know, safety protocols that, you know, the the show takes so seriously into account. Um, but I think there's a lot of advantages being a flight attendant. Even though flight attendants don't really make it that far. So we figured that we had hmm. to kind of change the, you know, status quo for flight attendants. <laughs> No, one of my um, co-hosts for the challenge on the Nullify Take, and she's also got her own channel on um, YouTube. She also covered the Amazing Race uh, 33. She's a flight attendant. I know she was shouting for you guys, or she used to be a flight attendant. So she went through a lot of the same experiences as well. And it's always interesting that flight attendants haven't done better in the past on the show. Um, sort of backtracking all the way to the beginning, because I kind of skipped a few things. I'm, I'm guilty of doing it. I don't have Michelle here to keep me on track. But um, the amazing race how did you get onto the show because speaking to kayla she mentioned that you were approached first and were you always uh, you know interested in taking kayla on the race or did you sort of have other people in mind as well and who would they have been if you did go on the race with someone different yeah i get asked this question a lot and it's funny because right the they did approach me on instagram which is funny because i have like 200 followers at the time like i genuinely don't care about social media um i mean now it's great you know if people are interested in what i have to say but you know uh i wasn't really into it before and they had reached out to me randomly and we were living to kayla and i were living together in new york city at the time 
And maybe six months before they reached out to me, Kayla and I were watching The Bachelor one night asking each other if we had to be on any reality show, what would we want to be on? And her answer was amazing. Uh, it was Amazing Race. Yeah. And yeah. she grew up watching The Amazing Race and um, just a really big fan of the show. And, you know, she's a smart cookie and she's well traveled. She is great at maps. You know, she always had to drive her way from she's from Florida. It's so like Florida to their um uh, their like mountain house in North Carolina that their grandma owned using a map, you know, growing up. So she's good at navigating. And so when the show reached out to me, I was like, Oh, I got to ask, I got to ask Platt. <laughs> <laughs> um, and she was all aboard and she loves a good adventure and it ended up working out really well for us. Yeah. You guys definitely balanced each other out really well. And you mentioned that, you know, she was someone that was good at reading maps, but in the first part of the, the race where you guys went out there, she did a lot of the driving. And I noticed that when you guys came back, it changed around to you doing more of the driving. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, who you allocated, what responsibilities to on the race and also how that strategy may have changed from the first three legs compared to coming back after such a long break? Yeah, so we were one of the last teams added to the roster for season 33. So we had basically found out we were going to be on the show like weeks before we started filming. And I had no idea how to drive stick shift. And she did because she grew up driving her like dad's dick. Um, even though she was the better navigator, she still knew how to drive stick. And so that's what happened the first time around. You know, she was the driver and, you know, I was the navigator. And I, I don't think they showed enough in Scotland, but she was like having a breakdown, crying, and the driving just got to her. Like there was one scene where we were in a um, a gas station parking lot and there was like a tiny little baby curb that she didn't want to go over. And she's just, you know, I mean, she's like from like the South basically originally. So she's like a very sweet driver, like doesn't honk, you know, like... <laughs> And I, I'm a city girl, like I will honk, I will get in your way, like it just driving just doesn't intimidate me. And so it was just a very overwhelming day for her. And I just I stunk at the directions in Scotland. So, you know, lucky for us, you know, the one blessing of COVID was the fact that we were able to kind of switch and reverse those roles. You know, I'm just a strong driver, I don't get intimidated or, you know, um, in the car and she's just a really strong navigator so it ended up working out really well for us i think it would have been a very different season if we weren't able to kind of switch those roles yeah it's interesting and and she did talk to that a little bit as well um th there's a lot of people that brought up the fact that your roadblocks were very imbalanced with you doing a lot more of the roadblocks compared to kayla and one of those roadblocks i know was going out there and doing the singing in the kilt and kayla said she was always going to do it but because of the tough day she had you guys switched it around is there a rule in regards to how many times you can do a roadblock opposed to your partner in the game or is it really just you guys decide while you're out there who does what and there's no like limit so the rule is i believe it's five or six going into if you make it to the finale no you can't do over i think five or six roadblocks i'm not sure what they i think it's one of those two numbers in order to be able to choose it both have an option of doing roadblocks in the finale otherwise you're stuck with just one person having to do the roadblock and you just never know what's going to happen so you want to set yourself up for as many options and success as possible but yeah i mean i think i had done like the first four roadblocks in a row and she was supposed to do the bagpipes but that day and again like i said they didn't really like fully depict it like she had like a crying meltdown i mean she was <laughs> 
and we laugh about it now, but she was crying. <laughs> she was so <laughs> upset. And so I knew that I just had to do the bagpipes. And I remember her, you know, being the wonderful teammate that she is cheering me on during the bagpipes. And I looked at her and I, and I, the look I gave her was like, you better shut up. <laughs> <laughs> do not cheer me on woman like this should be you right now and honestly it was like my least favorite challenge i'd done all season was the bagpipes they're hard really? <laughs> yeah putting i just it, putting it together was tough i worked with coach and thank god we worked together but um and you know she's definitely the musically inclined one and better at putting things together overall so kayla would have definitely crushed that one <laughs> I didn't realize that it was, I think some of the roadblocks that you look at or the tasks on TV doesn't always translate to the audience as well in regards to which ones are the most difficult ones out there. You mentioned that this was the one that was your least favorite one. Is there any other sort of roadblock or detour that stood out for you where you felt like the edit didn't give it justice and it was a lot harder than probably what people even knew going into it? Um, I would say what else frustrated me kind of goes hand in hand and not being great at putting things together. The mule challenge, it wasn't terrible, but, um, on the side of the mule where you had to put the milk cartons on, there were like these metal bars and it had to face a certain way. But one of the bars, you couldn't tell, even if you flipped it, that it was the wrong way. Cause it kind of was shaped the same way, no matter what. And we were so like stomped at that competition or at that challenge that, um, I, it just was really frustrating. So it was kind of just annoying because we literally could not figure out kind of like the you know final challenge too. We cannot figure out mm. what we were doing wrong. You know, we thought we had it right. And then you're just sitting there and you're clueless and you're getting frustrated. Um, obviously the last one was a really hard pill to swallow. That was yes. definitely our least favorite. Um, another one I didn't like was the finale. We had to do the sound one with all the different like tools that had to kind of match up different things that have happened throughout all of the 33 seasons that was just kind of really like tedious um and a pain in the butt but yeah those are probably my least favorite ones obviously the rocks nobody liked but you know you guys could oh, yeah. as the audience everyone could tell how grueling that was and lucky for me i liked it more than everybody else because i i you know finished it first it was a really good feeling but um yeah they all kind of have their own pain in the ass qualities <laughs> Yeah, I, I can imagine. The raw, I think for me as an audience member, like I would probably be like dusty out there if I had to go look at those rocks. Like I would want to lose it, to be honest. Um, I, I struggle enough just to be still, you know, and in the yeah. moment. And that's something that you kind of did really well, obviously coming back, having your zen out there um, and being able to relax when you're doing it. Because I think if you lose your cool, you don't know what you're doing out there or you're probably yeah. losing it. But one of the things that stood out for me on that challenge is you're seeing all these rocks out there. It must be really hypnotizing as well because they all look the same when you're going out there. So like if how long were you out there? I know Dusty was out there for like four hours. How long approximately do you believe you were out there looking for it? Because I know you guys were first out of there. Yeah, we were, we did it the quickest. So it was an hour and a half. I believe Arun did it in two, even though he finished third. Um, Kim did it in two and a half hours. And I think Dusty was like four and a half, five hours. Like it was something like ridiculously long. A poor guy. I mean, whew, that was yeah. really hard to watch him do that. Um, but it is, it's hard because they, you know, they make you, you, once you turn it over, you have to put it back the exact place you found it and face down. So it's like, you, you never know what you've touched and everything looks the same and you're just, touching every single rock you feel like and it's just it's really overwhelming because you also have in the back of your mind the thought of what if i'm the last person out here and there's only one gold coin left to find uh it just feels very defeating and it's you know like a needle in the haystack it's just pure luck it's really all it is i mean 
I think there's technique and involved in terms of like keeping your mind calm and um, being still and just having faith. And um, it, you know, it sounds kind of, you know, cheesy, but it's, it's true. Um, I think it definitely helped. I think, you know, Arun was also really calm and he was the second fastest person to find it. So I think there's something to be said about it, but at the end of the day, it still is just, you know, pure luck. And I forgot to mention, I sucked at the Domates challenge. That was frustrating. <laughs> that was, I totally messed that one up. And I eat Domates all the time. So I just royally screwed that up. <laughs> Attention to detail. So important in the show. And I mean, you obviously, yeah. even with this rock challenge, you guys had to remember the coin going into that last challenge. And I believe it was one of the yeah. things that a lot of teams and yourself struggled with getting that right as well. What, what was your strategy in regards to, keeping notes or you know staying on top of everything that's happening on the race because to me personally i feel like that's the most intimidating thing about potentially doing the race if i was ever to do it i feel like i've got a really really bad memory so like what advice could you give to someone going into the race to keep notes and to keep track going into the end um for this i mean the coin who would have thought that would make its appearance at the end mm -hmm. I know it's crazy. And just the color of the candy, like the, the challenge we had done two challenges yeah. before that, that final, um, it's so important to take notes. It's because everything about the show is, you know, I always say, don't make it harder than it is. Things are right in front of you, but it's attention to detail. And when you're stressed and when you're rushing, you miss the most important things. And I think that's how people ultimately lose. It's how we lost. Um, but you know, you write everything down that you see that day and you're taking notes through, I mean, Kim did such a great job with this. Like after everything, she took insane religious notes and Kayla and I did too. Mm. We took a lot of notes and, you know, at the end of every leg, we would write everything down and study it at night. I mean, like crazy people, you just every detail, you know, the color of things, but there's just so many things that, you know, make up tiny details on the show that it's so easy to lose it. And, um, to, you know, to forget something or was it, pink and purple or was it blue and pink you know it's just the most mm. like you know tiny finite details that you need to know um but the color of the the stone it was hard because i just i didn't examine the stone I, the coin i just knew that it was gold and it said find a gold stone and when i looked at it, it was bright gold and it was just hard because in the finale i just don't remember i still to this day doesn't even like look like the same coin to me um but, you know, I guess it was like there was a certain face on the coin that we had to look for, and I didn't look for the face on the coin. So mm. it just is it, it is what it is. It's attention to detail. And um, like with the candy, you know, we didn't realize that we had to be paying attention to things that were happening necessarily that day that could be in the finale. Um, you know, candy can, you know, confetti candy uh, is usually colorful, right? And yeah. just this stupid detail of it was there would be a lot red, of us. like the amazing race. There would yeah. be a lot of us that would make the exact same mistake. I mean, I think yep. it was pretty pretty brutal, to be honest with you. Kim and Penn seem to have like a lot of transferable skills that they have in their everyday life that kind of made its way into the race. There was a lot of performing arts and things like that, and, and they just seem to do really well in this race. Did you guys look at them as a threat early on, or do you feel like because they were – this lovable older couple that kind of lowered their threat to a certain level where you guys are calling them like the mom and dad of the race type of thing. Um, do you think that gave them a little bit of protection almost out there doing the race? Um, I saw through it very early on by leg three, they had just blown everybody away in Scotland. And when everybody was struggling in Scotland, I mean, I think they were done like an hour, hour and a half before everybody. 
and that mm-hmm. they just blew everyone away. And I knew right then and there, I was like, oh, they're they're forced to be reckoned with, and they're one of the best teams, if not the best. Um, so I kind of knew it, you know, even before COVID had hit, and then coming back, they were so they're so consistent, and they genuinely didn't mess up like once all season. I mean, there were there were no they didn't make mistakes, you know, they were just mm-hmm. flawless and on top of it, and well-rounded and they're both so intelligent and uh i I mean i always say this if they had if if they do another amazing race with just winners i think kim and penn could beat all the other winners and all you know 32 other seasons out there because they're just really truly like an impeccable team to watch and it stinks that they're in my season (laughs) because they're so good but um i love them so much i mean they're really good friends of mine i talk to kim on a regular basis but damn, are they good? <laughs> yeah, it was it was really impressive to see them perform this season. And I agree with you. I think your final three, you guys were so balanced going into that final three. Mm-hmm. Like everybody had a decent CV or resume going into the finale of having won some, some uh, legs. And for your team, what was really impressive is that you seem to just be getting stronger and stronger as the race continued. And you went in with a high of having won two in a row, going into the finale probably as the form team. Uh, you know, what kind of changed for you in regards to getting this momentum? Because for the longest period of time, for us as podcasters recapping the season, myself and Michelle, who's a way bigger super fan than myself, and she's got all the statistics on the previous um, Amazing Race seasons, we were saying, you seem to be that team that we get every year that would say, oh, we just want to get this win, but you're probably never going to get it because you came close so many times, but then you had the momentum going into the end. What changed for you guys to sort of get that rhythm, I guess, moving towards the end of the game? yeah i think the change for us was we really started taking control and of of the of the race and what i mean by that is like slowing things down and being able to um you know on detours there would be certain clues like the sausage race or the bartender Mm. or the bartender race in the sausage in case one the one in lugano switzerland and we were like okay well sausages you just go from one place and then you make the sausages the bartender race you have to bring 12 bottles and 12 bags of chestnuts. That just seems like a lot of back and forth and more you know, places you have to go to. And so we really just kind of took a step back and started e- evaluating things more, slowing the pace of the game down and just being more critical thinkers, figuring out with roadblocks who would be a better fit, what strengths, you know, because you only have clues to base it on. But, um, you know, if you just slow it down and you really just start understanding it as a game a little bit better. Um, Mm. And we just started trusting ourselves. You know, we, we started really realizing what we were capable of um, and just really trusting our intuition and knowing that we could do just as good of a job as anybody else. And when you start kind of building momentum, it's like you start just really gaining confidence. Um, And, you know, she, and you know I was a good driver she was a good navigator we just both are very good at different things and worked really well together and you know I think just us getting along and um being as great of teammates as we were really helps because I think that other teams kind of crumble and they start you know breaking under pressure and um we just started gaining a lot of confidence and you know I, I think the fact that you know, we really did work so well together, just really helped us in the long run because, you know, we never fought, we never, you know, got at each other's throats and, um, and we had each other's back the whole time. So I think it makes a difference. 
You you also seem to, like you mentioned in the beginning of the podcast, you're someone that's extremely competitive. And I do have a question actually uh, for that. Like, did you compete in other sports or things like that growing up? Where does this competitive drive come from? You know, uh, I guess going into the race. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so Kayla is the athlete between the two of us. She played, you know, college soccer. I did. I mean, I played tennis for a little while, but like nothing like competitively and like to such a level. Um no, I didn't. I'm just a competitive person. And I, you know, I'm competitive with myself and always wanting to be better. And I just, you know, when I see good competition around me, I want to be just as good as them. And um, I think a lot of competition can be, especially with a show like The Amazing Race Psychological, and I'm super into that kind of stuff. And so, you know, I, you know, I think some of the people that won on the show, like Arun and Natalia and Kim and Penn are like diehard fans and have watched the show, you know, all of the seasons, you know, three times over. And for me, you know, I didn't come in with, you know, as much kind of knowledge and, um, and, uh, but like, I, I really understood, you know, what the amazing race kind of entailed and stuff. And, you know, mm. not to the point where I mess up the domates and, you know, minor details, cause that stuff happens, but just kind of like the pacing and everything and learning to kind mm. of control the things you can and really slowing it down. And, um, you know, not being so stressed and working well under pressure and things like that. Um, but you know, I mean, I'm just, I, I'm just a competitive person. Ask my husband. He's like, you're, you try to compete with me. I'm just <laughs> Yeah. I'm like, I don't mean to be, I guess I, I'm more competitive than I realized. Cause I still am like, am I? <laughs> I guess I realized now after the show, I am really competitive. <laughs> oh, well, I feel like you, you need to have that drive to be successful on the race in any case. Um, you know, the, the question I was going to ask, because you had this competitive drive, when you guys were out on the show, it seemed like you were the cutthroat team that would make all the ruthless decisions to be able to get to the end. Right. And the edit kind of had you portrayed in such a way slightly as well when you left can't remember if it was Lulu or Lala behind in that specific roadblock, which Kayla spoke a little bit to it saying, you know, you had a very competitive person with you running through the canyons as well. She was the only girl wanting to beat the other guys and, and you guys just went for it. But it did seem like you guys would make those decisions to get ahead, which is fair. It is a race for a million dollars at the end of the day. If it came down to something like uh, a, a U-turn, would you have used the U-turn if you had the opportunity to better yourself in the game? You know, Kayla and I had talked a lot about this during the season and then even after because, uh, you know, we never knew when a U-turn was coming up and we always kind of assumed that it would inevitably come up as they do in, in previous seasons. Um, and this season was different. But I mean, I kept saying, even though I, I'm I mean, I'm close with a lot of people, but I'm probably closest with the Holdernesses. But I always said, I'm like, Kayla, we need to U-turn the Holdernesses. She's like, no, we need to U-turn the boys. I'm like, no, they're a bigger threat. <laughs> so <laughs> she didn't want to U-turn anybody. Uh, I guess maybe I'm more competitive and cutthroat. I would have because, you know, at the end of the day, it still is a race and, you know, you don't want to backstab anybody and sabotage anybody. And I, I think that, you know, I did kind of a different view on how that uh, Lulu and Lala situation happened. Um, I didn't mean to be, you know, cutthroat, I guess. I was just, I came at it with just kind of a different mentality and a different approach than I think what was maybe shown. Um, but I mean, at the end of the day, you're still, it's still a competition and you're still racing for a million dollars and you can love each other. But when you're racing, I mean, it's, it's a game and, um, yeah. you have to be competitive. I mean, and I think, you know, just competing against Dusty and Ryan too, like they're super competitive. And the fact that we're like an all girls team, it just kind of like lit this fire inside of me that I wanted to like be as good as the boys, you know? <laughs> 
and and it's funny because when it happened in the immediate recap, I was like, oh, that was dirty, you know, like because I was big Lulu and Lala fans. They were my team mm-hmm. that I was shouting through for yeah. the whole season. I just love the energy, such positivity and seemed like a, a real fun team to be around. But then I looked at the next episode and myself and Michelle came in and I was like, you know what? I have to check myself on that because, you know, if I was out there, I would have done the exact same thing. I know I would have. And just because you've got an all-girl team playing that type of game, you can't judge them differently from an all-boy team doing it or a, a boy and girl team doing it out there, you know? So I actually, in hindsight, really respected the move to continue to go because any little advantage that you can get in the race for a million dollars, you should be taking out there. So I, I thought ultimately you guys played the best game that you could and that's what got you to the end and it's interesting you mentioning that Kayla and and it came across in the interview as well that she saw the boys as a big threat through a lot of this race but they really went the opposite way in my mind compared to you where you guys became stronger and stronger as the race went on they really started losing their focus and do you believe that you know you talk about psychology and the mentality of being in the race do you believe that momentum is a really important thing on the race? Like how can momentum play into the fact that as you started getting more and more first places and you started finishing higher and they started struggling, do you think that plays a big role and how does that amplify in a situation like the race, which is really stressful? Um, I think psychology is a huge part of the show. And I think that the show is this race is meant to psychologically break you down and that's why it's so important to stay strong in the mind, to stay grounded, to stay present, to be able to slow things down. And, and um, you know, like I've said so many times, and I think it's a shining example with with Dusty. It's like the, you know, this boy team, they were used to being first, you know, in second. And they didn't know what it was like to be in second or third place. Right. I mean, they had won first place several times. And the moment that they started dropping, I don't think they ever fell below third, but it it started really getting to Dusty. And it's so important to keep your mind strong and right. Like, you know, you had mentioned earlier, yes, Kayla and I started doing better than the boys, but you know, it's easier looking back or it's easier from an outsider's perspective. But when you're in the race, all you know is there's two teams and they're both really good. And any of those two teams at any point could be first. The boys have Mm. come far behind and they're so insanely fast and athletic that just because they're in third or fourth doesn't mean they couldn't easily get into first place, right? We were last in the Domades and then still ended up in second place, finishing off that day. So it's really anybody's race. You look at everybody that's talented as the same level of threat in all honesty, when you're, you know, when you're competing in that very moment. Um, but it's, it, it does help, you know, the momentum that Kayla and I started doing better and better and getting second place, I think four times and then first place, you know, twice leading into the finale. Yeah, that helps. That's confidence, right? That's momentum. That's everything's energy and it feels good. And, um, it, it's validating in so many ways, but you just, you have to, I always said, it doesn't matter if we were second to last place the entire time. All it matters is how you come in in the finale. And yeah. there's only one time in the entire race. Do you need to come in first? And that's when it matters. Other than that, who cares, you know, focus on your own race and just try to get better. And that's really what we did. And I think that's part of the reason why we were so successful. But like I said, I mean, attention to detail, detail, and that's what kind of, you know, choked us up at the, when it mattered most. 
Looking at the whole race, you you got to travel to a lot of great locations. Sadly, you didn't get to travel to um, other places that you would have in a normal race, like you didn't get to go to Africa or Asia or you know South America or even you know Oceania, Australia, New Zealand, or some of the Pacific Islands. Is there a, a location where, if you ever did go back, hypothetically the stars aligned, you know, five years, six years, ten years from now, you're back on the race? Is there a specific like continent or country that you wish you could have traveled to while you were out there? And also, which country would you recommend or location would you recommend for people that watch the race to go and visit? I uh, love this question. Um, I would want to go to Africa. Um, I have always wanted to do a safari. I think that continent is so fascinating, so vast landscape wise. And um, it can be a total culture shock for somebody living in the United States in a big city. Um, and so I am all about seeing things that are completely different than what I'm used to. And there's just so much to to do and to see in Africa. Um, I thought we were supposed to go there. I don't know. That's what I heard through the grapevine, but that would have been awesome. My favorite place that we went to this season would probably probably be Lugano, Switzerland. It was absolutely I mean, breathtaking and just stunning and um, bougie, <laughs> um, really good, you know, good food, good wine, beautiful people. Um, mm. And I think Dusty's actually going back and running um, some type of like triathlon in June. And I would go if I wasn't pregnant, but I'm really excited and he's in tip top shape and the man is an absolute beast and a savage and swims and runs a hundred miles a week and bikes. And so I'm really excited for him to go back. That is exciting. And obviously there's some rumors going around at the moment. Um, and we can only speculate and talk to the rumors that your partner in crime, Kayla, is out there potentially doing another show called The Challenge, uh, which is all about physicality and doing um, these types of activities. And you've mentioned that she's got a sporting background as well. How do you think she would do on this race? And who are you surprised from your season is not in that rumored cast? Because you had a couple of really good physical competitors this season. Um, you know, if Kayla's doing the challenge, it's just speculation. I don't know um, if she's on it. I, I think she would crush it. You know, she's a competitive cookie. She's, I mean, she was the one that lifted me up um, during that one challenge that we had to get something, you know, on a high tree branch. I mean, she's got some skinny chicken legs. Let me tell you, those are some powerful legs. You know, she was that soccer player in college. So I think any type of physical challenge, she's great. And uh, so she's on it. I can't wait to watch it. I'm going to be sitting front row with my popcorn. But I feel like Dusty would be really great on that show. I think out of mm. anybody on this season, um, I would think Dusty. I just think he's the biggest savage. <laughs> and he would agree, like, out of anybody, you know, he's so purely entertaining. I wish that you saw, you know, more of Dusty's just comedic genius, but he just would make for great TV. Yeah, it was it was interesting. I asked Kayla this question as well, because obviously she does a podcast now with Dusty, which is great that they, they're they able to do this. Um, how surprised were you by the edit portraying this sort of girls versus boys type of thing going out there and the way that they edited your reactions to Dusty celebrating and <laughs> going completely crazy out there? I mean, I was just hilarious. I mean, we give each other shit and, you know, and at first... 
um, you know, viewers took it the wrong way and thought it was a man hater, or, you know, such a feminist or something like that. And I'm all for women's power, but like, I just love Dusty and that's just like our relationship. And of course I'm going to give him shit. Like they took their shirt off like the first moment that they could. And as rightfully so, I mean, they have great bodies. I mean, they're chiseled. Um, I guess if I was that chiseled, I would, you know, you know, take my wear a bikini more often too, <laughs> but, uh, I had to make fun of it. I mean, I'm just, you know, I'm a little shit starter. So, <laughs> and you know, they just, uh, you know, Dusty before um, all, you know, every leg of the race, he would, you know, beat his chest in a l animalistic, you know, fashion and <laughs> go nuts. And I mean, he was just an absolute buffoon sometimes and he would admit it himself too. And I love the guy, but I had to make fun of him. <laughs> it I'm was too fun and too yeah. easy not to. <laughs> Yeah, I'm surprised we didn't see even more of it. I feel like we got the mild version of Dusty on the TV show. But um, I yeah. also wanted to ask you, you, you had some great teams that didn't come back to do the race. Were there anybody that you felt like, you know, this was really good that they didn't come back or anybody that you think if they were to given another opportunity in the future, they would crush it out there as well? Because I felt like there were some strong teams that didn't come back as well. I think there were really strong teams that didn't come back. First of all, I'm... I, I think Spencer and Anthony would have done an amazing job. They know what it's like to be under high stakes, high pressure situations. I mean, their story is absolutely incredible, but I'm glad they didn't come back because we were in our, we were in Scotland in the bathroom and I guess the vents connected to their bathroom. And we had said something about you turning them and they heard, and we found out about this after the show, you know, uh, we found out, you know, COVID had happened and we had to rush back to the United States and all of that. And they told us that they heard about that. <laughs> Um, and so I'm glad they didn't come back because they would have been right after us, uh, you turning us and they were fast and good. Um, uh, but they would be an awesome team to see come back. Coach and Connie were really good. Um, I adore coach and Connie. They're amazing. Ray and Caro would have been a really good team. I think they would have been an understated team. Um, they're both fast. They're both sharp. I think there were a lot of really good teams that didn't come back and it kind of, I mean, Hey, it worked out for us, but, um, I, I always kind of wonder, like, if everybody came back, what would the season look like? I don't know. It would have been an interesting kind of perspective to to think about. Yeah, it would have been a, a very different season. And, and it's funny you mentioned Ray and Cairo. I believe it was Dusty who also said that they would be an underestimated team if they were to go out and race again. Because apparently Ray has got some very, like Dusty said, there's similarities between Ray and Penn in regards to how mm -hmm. they process information or something like that which was quite interesting because i felt like their edit wasn't as uh, big but it's funny that i believe it was ray and pen that both struggled at the mail the mailbox thing so they both got stumped on the same thing where they had to get the mail to get into the train so if their brains do process things in the same way it just so happened that they both struggled yeah. on the exact same detour at the same time as well i know um, it's just funny that was the hard one for them because like what's hard for one person is easy for another so when you say oh, what are the hardest challenges it's like everybody has a different answer to that yes yes um well listen raquel it's been so great talking to you about the race um and thank you so much for spending time with us here now i know you said that you're just getting into the social media stuff now you you know you're doing your life coaching is there any places that people can follow you or get to know a little bit more about what services you offer uh, this is your opportunity to plug it yeah so i have a website it's the raquel moore.com um, at a, so it's, it's T H E R A Q U E L M O O R E.com. You can go on my Instagram page. There's a link into my website as well. It's Raquel Moore underscore on Instagram. Um, check me out. You know, if you're looking for some sessions and, you know, 
we're all going through shit in life. You know, everyone, everyone got something going on and something that they could use a life coach for some guidance some tools some resources. Um, it's really life changing. And I always say, Hey, invest in yourself. You know, if you, you care about your health, both physically, mentally, spiritually, all of that stuff. Um, you don't just do one thing, right? You don't just eat vegetables to be healthy. You don't just, um, you know, go for runs. It's all encompassing, right? Um, and especially mental health more than ever right now is really important. And um, sometimes all we need is just guidance tools and, you know, somebody that can kind of lead us in the right direction and give us some clarity and insight and, um, you know, help kind of undo a lot of these subconscious belief patterns that we live with that really weigh us down. So yeah, check out my website. And I'm assuming it's all digital. So are you taking people on from around the world? Doesn't have to be America necessarily. I have people all over the world. It's just all digital, which is the great thing. You don't have to come into an office anymore. It makes it easy. So I have all different age. I mean, I have clients from 18 to 72. Um, so I have wow. all different ages. I would say the average age of my clients, most people are like, 40 to 55. Um, so older than me, um, and age is just a number. So, you know, come, you know, wherever, whatever state you are in life, I help everybody and anybody, um, anyone around the world. Yeah. As long as you have, a you know, internet and a phone, call me. Yeah. Most places these days have that, um, yeah. your time zones <laughs> that you must be working on must be absolutely crazy. Just doing this podcast and like lining yeah. up different time zones like I was on a podcast yesterday where we had three different time zones on one podcast trying to like get everybody to be on the same time can be quite difficult but so fun and um, lastly I want to leave you with an opportunity to let people know how should they apply for the amazing race if they're thinking about potentially going on the amazing race what's your advice to that fan that is watching the show I might be talking about Michelle who has been trying to get on the amazing race here in Australia as well um, what's your advice to a fan like uh, you know going out there and, and doing the race as someone who was really successful uh, I guess doing this race so I had actually contacted I texted Jesse the main lead casting producer and I was like hey what I have my own opinions on, you know, how people should audition. What do you think about this? And he was like, yeah, tell them that. That sounds great. Um, you know, I always say to people, be yourself, have personality. No one wants to see a wallflower on TV. No one wants to see somebody that's vanilla and boring. Like, be who you are. Don't hold back, you know. Um, mm -hmm. Be excited about the show. Tell the amazing race why you're such a fan, why you love it, why you think you'll be successful. Um, get excited. I mean, it's mm. such a freaking cool show and you race around the world and you have a chance at winning a million dollars. And, you know, no matter what happens, you still are in a once in a lifetime opportunity. So just be yourself, be excited, have personality um, and just go for it. Do the audition tape. Be bigger than life. Yeah, the great advice. And everybody's got something that they can get excited about or passionate about. So I guess talk about your passion projects or things that you like. Uh, uh, that's what I would give as advice if I were to apply for The Amazing Race myself. Um, Raquel, it's been great talking to you. Uh, if anybody is still listening to the audio version or the video version of this, if you like this podcast, please consider subscribing. Please consider hitting a like on this. Um, and we will catch you next time. Goodbye. Bye. Thanks.